Thank you for joining me today on the Homeowners Be Aware podcast. How many of you are happy with your insurance? Now that goes for homeowners, auto, and rental. I often talk about how frustrating that industry is because of all the money it costs us to have it, and then when we make a claim, how difficult it often is to get paid. And when we do, how likely is that our rates will go up, or even worse, we'll get dropped by our insurance company. Well, my guest today is the former Deputy Insurance Commissioner for the state of Florida. Lisa Miller is an expert in disaster insurance and recovery, and today she will be sharing important information about why, despite our frustrations, insurance is something you do not want to get caught without. I'm George Siegel, and this is Homeowners Be Aware, the podcast that teaches you everything you need to know about being a homeowner. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the offer, George. Now let's jump right into this. Before we talk about a lot of the things that that I want to talk to you about, is there something you can tell me that can make us as homeowners, especially here in Florida, feel good about the insurance that we might have? How's that whole situation looking? That something positive? Well, remember that the time that you need insurance is not a good time in your life. You don't want to need your insurance company. It's actually better if you never call them. So it's just the opposite. You know, you don't want to have to call your insurance company because something bad happened. So uh, on that happy note, I hope a majority of your listeners have never had to call their insurance company because that means something good did not happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the talk, especially here in Tampa, because you know better than anybody what a bullseye we are here, is a lot of my neighbors, people I know, have had their policy go way up or it's been canceled, not right before a storm is coming, but it's been canceled in the beginning of hurricane season. What should we think about that? Why is it so difficult to get homeowners insurance? Three reasons. There's three reasons why we have a tough time with homeowners insurance in Florida. One is the weather. Let's just face it. We, we're seeing more severe weather. Believe it or not, political persuasion, you know, when it rains, uh, 25 inches of rain in Broward County in six hours. I can't remember a time in my lifetime where I've seen that kind of severe weather. That happened back in April of this year. So we're, we're, we have, and we could do nothing about it. The weather is the weather. We can do nothing about it. Secondly, um, you've probably read and your readers have read uh, what the governor calls the billboard lawyers. You know, you can't drive down Interstate 75 or I-4 or any, any even some of the smaller roads without seeing a sign or a bus that has wrapped around it call so-and-so law firm and let that law firm uh, help you with your insurance uh, problems. So the the lawyers that the governor was targeting and that frustrated him, um, they basically probably got a little too greedy and the governor worked with the legislature to pass laws to stop or attempt to stop frivolous litigation. So think about this statistic. Uh, Back in 2021, the insurance commissioner reported to the legislature that Florida had about 8% of all homeowners insurance claims in the country. 8%. We had 80% of all the lawsuits. 80%. So that's number two. What is litigation going to do to us? Is it going to get better? And I would submit to you that the way to get your insurance claim settled is not to call a lawyer. You can always call a lawyer, but give it some time to work out. And number three, 
and this one's a little more technical, is the cost of reinsurance. And reinsurance is insurance for insurance companies. And that cost has climbed the past two years. And reinsurance comes from companies all over the world. Um, there's no regulation. They charge what the market will bear. So about 35 to 40 cents of every dollar that we as Floridians pay in insurance premiums, we um, we pay in, in reinsurance cost to the worldwide market. So let's say that your premium is $1,000 to XYZ homeowners companies, about 350 bucks of that is used to pay the reinsurance premium of the insurance company that bought insurance to help them cover their claims when the time comes. Catastrophe got, insurance. You got me excited there for a second when you said $1,000. I go, I wish mine was only $1,000. Uh, <laughs> is there anything the legislature can be doing more than what they're doing. I know so much of this ends up being, when you talk about the cause, it ends up becoming a political debate. And personally, I, I don't care what the reason is. I just care about the result. And the result is we're paying a lot. So could the legislature be doing more? Absolutely. And you know, I want to applaud the legislature for what they've done so far. They've been very measured. Uh, there's a team of us that have been working with legislative staff and others and working very diligently to say to the legislature, if the cost of reinsurance, that was number three of the three-legged stool that we just talked about, if the cost of reinsurance is 35 to 40 cents in the private markets, why wouldn't the state create state-backed reinsurance and bring that cost down to 10 or 15 cents? Florida has the only one of its kind reinsurance uh, pool called the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund. It has $17 billion in it right now, about 13 billion in cash and a few billion in bonds, but what's a few billion here or there? And they um, have the ability, the legislature has the ability to use some of that money for uh, a way to bring down the cost of reinsurance. So, you know, with the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund and its ability to, maybe I should say, loan a couple of their billion, if you will, for state-backed reinsurance purposes and bring the cost of reinsurance down to say 10 or 15 cents, that's one idea. Um, if we bring that reinsurance cost down, I'm not going to say it's going to reduce premiums, but it'll slow down the reinsurance, I mean, the insurance increases. The second thing we could do, now I know this is really technical, but there's about 50 insurance companies that write all of our uh, seven and a half million property insurance policies in our state, we have seven and a half million. California's got 12 to 14 million property homeowners insurance policies. The insurance companies that buy reinsurance, they spend about a billion and a half dollars on the current state backed reinsurance. They could write another billion and a half for say a separate private state backed fund. And that fund uh, could provide cheaper reinsurance. So back to the three-legged stool, the weather, can't do anything about, litigation we're working on, and the cost of reinsurance. If I could be queen for a day, I'd want the legislature to focus on that third leg and how to bring those costs down, which will bring down the cost of what we pay as Floridians. 
Yeah, since that one's technical, I'll let you worry about that. The second one is the one that really bothers me. And and when we were making my documentary film, The Last House Standing, we were up in Mexico Beach and Panama City. And just the people we interviewed, that there was a contractor that took us to meet people he was working with while he was ripping them off with the assignment of benefits and do, taking jobs and disappearing. He ended up in jail. The criminals, it really seemed like they ruined it for everybody. How do we stop that kind of thing from happening? Three ways. Number one, if you're in a neighborhood and you see people canvassing neighborhoods, here's my motto, George. People you know come to your back door. People you don't know come to your front door. Don't answer your front door. Number two, if you do and someone says, I'd love to take a look at your roof. I think you need a new roof. And you let them on your roof. What do you think they say when they come down from your roof? You need a new roof. (laughs) So don't let anybody up on your roof unless it's your insurance company or a roofer that you hire of your choice. And number three, don't sign anything. Jimmy Patronis, the CFO of our state, he's awesome. He said uh, last week after Hurricane Adalia, press conference after press conference, don't sign anything. Call your agent, your insurance agent. Call your lawyer or call my office, but just don't sign anything. And it's so unfortunate, George, after the hurricanes, and I've been worked the aftermath of every hurricane since Hurricane Andrew in 1993, 1992. And that experience has shown me the worst of humanity because I go into neighborhoods and I'll walk neighborhoods And I'll say, as I see people, you know, they're crying, they're in their front yard, their couch is on the street, they flooded, it's a mess. And I do this as a volunteer. And I'll say, I'm Florida's former deputy insurance commissioner. I just want to remind you, please don't, there's people canvassing your neighborhood. You see that truck down the street? Please, please don't sign anything. I'm not saying they're bad people, but The time to get engaged in a contract is not when you're putting your couch on the street and the hurricane just passed. So if your viewers hear nothing else about what I'm talking about, I just looked at another one today. I had a colleague send me a document, beautiful document, had all the nice wording in it, but it says, I hereby assign all of my rights of my insurance policy and and my my." privilege to sue an insurance company to this company. Well, that's just wrong. And it was it was signed before the new law went into effect, January 1. And the person signed it. It's very difficult to get out of them, George. Yeah, it is. And there should be a special place and you know where for anybody that preys on victims of a disaster. You know, we talked to one person, they charged them $10,000 to put a tarp on their roof. You know, in most neighborhoods, your neighbors will help you do that, fortunately, if they're okay. But to to have somebody drive around and do that just makes me sick. And I I really would like to see that come to uh, come to a stop. And that brings up another issue. When your homeowner signs documents that allows a third party to get involved in a claim, the insurance company can't talk to that homeowner anymore. That document that I talked about reading this morning said all correspondence verbal, written, and otherwise, shall go through XYZ company. That effectively shuts down the insurance company from talking to their homeowner. You know why that that document wanted to say that? Because they want to control it. 
And they know the longer they draw this claim out, the more expensive that claim and the more money they make. So keep that in the back of your head. When you hear somebody say, I can't get the insurance company to call me. Well, if you signed a document that says they can't, then they can't. If we had another big hurricane, and we almost did, I know Adalia, we were looking at that again here in Tampa. It's like, you know, Russian roulette. Eventually the gun's going to go off here. How bad would the whole situation have been, in your opinion, if it had hit here? I closed my eyes and I shudder to think of how bad it would have been. I grew up in Hillsborough County. I know every crack in the pavement in Hillsborough County. And the devastation to that area would have been billions and billions of dollars, billions of dollars. And, you know, you think about, I don't, it hit in, in a very lowly populated area, Adalia did. And those poor people, you know, for us to sit here and say, we were lucky it didn't hit us. I would, we don't say that. We can't say that. We say it's sad that it hit these other people and we hope they can recover. But I think what we have to remember is, we cannot control this weather. There's nothing we can do about it. We can talk about, you know, stopping energy issues, energy policy. That's not for this podcast. So what do we have to do as homeowners? What do we need to do? We need to fortify our homes. You know, I just had my roof replaced to a metal roof. I took out a loan. I had a shingle roof. I'm scared of hurricanes. I know what they can do. And I strapped it down and it's, that roof ain't going nowhere. There's a category six. We have to take personal responsibility for our homes and strengthen our homes. And if you're building, your motto should be build higher and stronger, higher and stronger, because the weather is relentless. Look no further than Hurricane Lee. Look at that monster storm swirling out there right now, headed straight to Canada. God yeah, me. that's that's definitely a scary storm. Now, I know a lot of people will say, you know, there, there's nothing they could do. I, I talked to a woman today who just rolls the dice. She's lived in Florida, in, in Tampa her whole life, and she has an older home. And she knows there's if a big one hits, she's just going to have her house wiped out. And then you have to hope you had some kind of insurance coverage. But would you agree there's something everybody can do? There's something you could do. And even if the the only thing you can do is have some type of insurance so you could start over. You know, this has been a discussion um, uh, quite loudly in the halls of the legislature. Our law now says that you have to buy insurance replacing the total replacement cost of your house. Meaning if your house were to burn to the ground, the insurance companies, excuse me, have to have to offer you, have to sell you replacement cost. There is a discussion out there among several who say that the policy, insurance policy, should meet the pocketbook of the consumer. So let's say that this consumer lives in a $250,000 home and it's paid for, because if you have a mortgage, you don't have a choice, and you only want to buy a $100,000 policy. You should be able to buy that. But right now, the insurance companies can't sell it by law. There's a way they can do it on an optional basis, but I mean, in general... If you own a $250,000 home and you only want to buy $100,000 just because that's all you can afford in premium, you should be able to buy it. That's my opinion. A lot of people don't agree with me. But to me, it's like walking into a fast food restaurant. I don't want pickles. I just don't like pickles. Just saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would think that would be a, a no-brainer that, that people would be able to do that. When we look at what happened though with Michael and we look at what happened with Ian, 
what what I heard from people was if they had the flood insurance policy and they also had hurricane coverage under their regular policy, those two entities would quite often fight to see who had to pay that claim. And then the homeowner is the one that gets screwed waiting months for them to fight it out to see who's going to help them. I hear you loudly and clearly, George. It is a shame that the flood adjuster and the property insurance adjuster don't coordinate or cooperate. And they can. And here's how that happens. The homeowner has to demand that the, you know, it's like scheduling an appointment with the dentist. Okay. You want a certain hygienist, you make sure that you get the hygienist at the same time that your dentist is in the office. This is no different. You make sure that the flood adjuster and the property adjuster are there at the same time. And if they start fighting, say, whoa, 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 we're not having a fight. You're not leaving until I know who's going to take responsibility for this and who's going to take responsibility for that. It is up to our homeowners and whether they call their, you know, son who happens to be a really strong personality or their daughter, if the homeowner doesn't feel comfortable doing it, call someone who's good at managing people because that's all this is. You're managing that claim. You're managing the flood part and the and the wind part, if you will. It there's no, that's the only way to do it. If they show up separately, if the flood adjuster comes on Tuesday and the property homeowners insurance comes on Friday, they don't talk. That's crazy to me. So again, for your listeners and your viewers, if you have flood and wind, a hole in your roof and a line on your wall, you make sure those adjusters show up at the same time on your property and manage that discussion. You know, one of the things that my neighbors talk about, I see it on next door all the time, is people get their insurance policy canceled by their insurance agent and then there's panic. What can people do when that happens to them? First thing they need to do, they get the notice from their insurance company. It also goes to their insurance agent. They should call their insurance agent and ask them, what are my alternatives? And if the agent says, let me, we're going to shop and we're going to try to find you something, they need to ask the agent, is there any way I can go back to the company and improve what they need me to improve so I can stay with the company that I'm with? The agent can ask that. I mean, if it says you have an 18-year-old roof or a 20-year-old roof, probably going to need to buy a new roof. But if it's something that doesn't seem clear, or maybe it's a mistake, get your agent to advocate for you. Remember, your agent, you're paying them a commission every year. Some people have been with their agent for 30 years. Can you imagine the commission they've been paid? And they work hard for it. So let them be your advocate and let them go back to the company you're with. If there's a way to make it better. And if not, let them shop and find you something else. That's, that's what an agent's job is. Now, is there a law in place that if you've suffered damage from a hurricane, they can't drop you until they fix the damage? There is. There's that law in place. And I, again, that's why I think the insurance companies want to fix that damage as quickly as they can, because they want to insure a whole house. So yes, they cannot drop you while the damage is still ongoing. You're correct. Can they drop you if they look at the future forecast of a hurricane and see that 10 days from now, it looks like Tampa's going to get wiped out? Can insurance companies drop you on short notice like that? No, they can't. And remember, it, it they have to give like 90 days, 120 days notice, you know, depending on the time of the year. So a lot of people think that I just got this, this non-renewal cancellation notice in five days before the storm. Well, that notice went in the mail, you know, 45 days ago. They don't just immediately, they don't move that fast. They don't immediately just crank out non-renewal notices. It just happens to be coincidental that it was five days before a storm. 
Now, what if your renewal date for your insurance policy is like in September or October? Did they have to let you know way in advance so you don't get caught with those prime hurricane months? Yeah, it's like 120 days notice they have to give you. So you may get a notice in June and they can't cancel you until October or November. You'll you'll see the time frame on your on your on your notice. They have to give you notice. That gives you time to find something else. And the agents are good about this. They'll they'll do what they can to get you placed somewhere else. But the best thing you can do not to get non-renewed is get your get a new roof. My roof was 12 years old. I bought a new roof. There's no such thing as a 30-year shingle. There's just no such thing. The roofing shingles don't last 30 years in 110 degree heat in the middle of August in Florida year after year after year. It's it's misleading to me. So, you know, if you got a 12 or 15 year old roof, replace it and find, you know, I know it's expensive, but it's protecting you. That roof's going to stay on that house. It's a newer roof. They're going to strap that roof down. Your roof comes off your house. All bets are off. Keep your roof on your house when you do that with a new roof. And I like to have as much time as in advance as possible to panic. I don't want to panic at the last minute. <laughs> I got you, George. Well, we'll do what we can to keep our home safe and to make ourselves safer before that storm comes, for sure. I was reading about citizens insurance, and that's an option for people who can't get insurance. But you're saying there's some some challenges or some issues with how that whole thing is run? Yeah. I mean, Citizens CEO is an incredible guy named Tim Serio, and you've heard you'll hear him testify in committees and you know in interviews. His job is to work himself out of a job. This is the government's insurance company. We as Floridians pay for it. So about 1.5 million people are in citizens, and the other four million, five million of us who have private companies. Well, citizens' rates are about 35 to 40 cents cheaper than percent cheaper than what we pay in the private sector. So how how is that fair? So what the legislature has said is if, if you get an offer of coverage, it's 20% more than what you're paying for citizens, you got to come out. So if you're $1,000 premium citizens, you get a $1,200 offer, you're no longer eligible for citizens and citizens is going to non-renew you and you're going to go to the other company. The ultimate goal is to get citizens rates high so that people will come out of citizens, go to the private market, the private market will grow when that happens and they'll start competing and rates can come down. It's a simple market mechanism. we got to start somewhere. So the rates need to go up in citizens. And I know the viewers that have citizens, I won't get a Christmas card from them when they hear me say that. Yeah, but what's scary, if citizens went under, what I also read was that that would then be paid for by everybody else would have a, an insurance subsidy attached to their insurance. So we're going to end up paying for it if they can't pay for it. Absolutely. The citizens is the government's insurance company. We as Floridians are the government. So if citizens has a shortfall in cash, we're all going to pay for it. And immediately that assessment goes to the million and a half people sitting in citizens. So they're already paying this premium. They'll pay on top of that to shore up the finances of the citizens. Then if that's not enough, the rest of us as Floridians will end up paying for it. We've got to shrink the size of citizens as painful as it is. We have to. Well, now what is the difference between the PACE program and the My Safe Florida Home program. So PACE is Property Assessed Clean Energy. Um, it's a federal program. It's also allowed in our state of Florida statutes. It has, I mean, I, I like the program. It allows you to uh, make improvements to your home, particularly for wind or flood or other, other you know, calamities that could happen to your house. And then you roll the cost of those improvements into your property tax. So you would you can do that for 30 years. Um, it's been somewhat controversial, but I I still think it's a good program. 
The, and so you, you're paying for all of those improvements. The My Safe Florida Home Program is a program where you can get a, um, a state grant up to $10,000 and you have to have an inspection. And I highly recommend that your readers and listeners um, enroll for the inspection. It's free and it'll give you a, a nice little 10 or 12 page document that says we've inspected your home, excuse me, inspected your home. And if you do these things to your roof and these things to your windows, you could save X amount of money on your insurance premium and we'll give you $10,000 to help you get things going. Now that program's about to run out of money. And so at least get the free inspection and then hopefully it'll get more money when session goes back in January and we can keep hardening the home. So the PACE program, you pay for it all on your own. You just roll the cost of those improvements in your property tax, pay for it over time. The My Safe Florida program, there's a grant and a free inspection to make your home strong. You know, it seems like the My Safe Florida home might be one of the most important things. Every time there's a disaster, and we saw this uh, down in Southwest Florida, we're probably seeing it again um, in uh, Cedar Key and those places. It's the older structures. It's houses that were built 40, 50 years ago that seem to get wiped out all the time. Should Could those people be helped by making those improvements or are those houses just so behind the code that it might not make a huge difference. My house was built in 1976. I have what are called gable ends on my roof. You know, look at that triangle behind my head. That's typically what a gable end roof is. And I had braces like this put against that flat part of that triangle on either end of my house. That's the best I can do. So when the wind comes crashing into it, hopefully it'll keep my roof on. There's only certain things that you can do that an engineer or an inspector that's schooled in what to make that home stronger. But let's face it, some of these beautiful old, we call cracker houses, you know, these beautiful nostalgic homes, when it's a cat four or cat five, there's nothing we can do. And unfortunately, a lot of those homes, those beautiful old nostalgic homes were right in the path of Hurricane Adalia and those homes are gone. So the, the silver lining is that those homes will be rebuilt to the newer building code Next time another one comes through, they'll hold up. But right now, when that wind comes crashing in, there's not a lot we can do. Now, I read the study that was done down in uh, Fort Myers and uh, Sanibel Island about how the newer structures actually held up pretty good, except for storm surge. So construction-wise, um, those did really well. But when you get up to where you are, you're up near Tallahassee, correct? Where uh, there's so many trees. And even where I live in Tampa, even the nice big new houses have huge oak trees over them. That's where I think a lot of damage comes in. Are we crazy keeping these trees around or wh wh what's your thought about that? Well, call me a shameless tree hugger. Um, and, you know, you'll hear from your insurance company. They can look at your home with all kinds of electronic means. Google Earth. I mean, it's no secret. You can look up any address and we can see the trees. So you often get a note from your insurance company that says, please trim these limbs. You know, it, that's a tough call. Um, you know, in my home, the person that had my house before I bought it, there were 17 pine trees in my yard and the owner cut them all down because he had a senior aged mother that lived with him. And he told me I cut them all down because I couldn't afford for them to go through my house. But I have pine trees all around my house in my neighbor's yards. So tree damage is very real. And it, it is a problem, but insurance companies price for that and can give you fair warning that you need to do something about it before the storm comes. I mean, I'm sure you saw it. I, I'd never seen anything like it when I went up to Mexico Beach. All those trees driving into town that were literally chopped in half, it looked like a bomb went off there. It's terrible. I spent a lot of time 
because that area is only 90 miles, 100 miles from my house. So I drive up Highway 90 and go west. And it was very tough. And I spent a lot of time with people, you know, storms bring out the best and the worst in people. And you can only look no further than Hurricane Adalia. Some of the uh, volunteers that are over there now just helping to clean up. You know, you can grab a broom and you can sweep the sidewalk out in front of somebody's house who's senior and can't do it. And you've made a difference. Yeah, the volunteers, the first responders, you know, I was really impressed here in, in Tampa when you see them preparing from a government perspective of what you're going to do after the storm. What my advocacy is more about is getting people prepared before it. So we could be proactive instead of reactive. And that that's one of the last questions I want to ask you is I see this in Floridians. And, and because I only moved here in 2017, I just call myself one. Um, people don't seem to think it's going to happen to them. There's that, well, that's the cost of living in paradise. But that kind of thought process can cause you to lose your biggest investment. How do we change that, George? It'll never happen to me. I've lived here for 40 years. The big ones never hit. I'm going to be fine. I'll put a mattress over my head. You know, you can change a lot of things, but you can't change that kind of behavior. And we've got to keep trying. You know, our um, emergency manager, Kevin Guthrie, who is the state of Florida's emergency manager, one of the most incredible Americans I've ever met, constantly saying when the storms are coming, if you hear the evacuation order, leave, please leave. But invariably, people stay. They send in the search and rescue teams and they find people that have died in the storm. So if you do nothing else on this show, tell them to heed the evacuation order, make their home stronger and hang in there. We're hoping these rates will either level off or come down over the next two years. Yeah. Brock Long told us that uh, they ask people to write their social security number on their arm if they're not going to evacuate because he said people don't survive storm surge, that you really have to take that very seriously. The rush of that water. It's like a force I never want to have to ever face. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening when uh, when you see that coming. So what advice would you have for people? I mean, it's too late to fix your home now, but if to think about for the rest of this hurricane season and then to plan for for next year, what should people be doing to make themselves safer? You know, people know their homes. We need to take personal responsibility for your home. And I've got beautiful old sash windows, the nice wood ones that go up and down. And um, I need to put impact windows on my home because I think the wind is, is going to eventually get me. So we all know our homes. We know the vulnerability of our homes, old windows, old roofs. Our garage door is our biggest opening. Brace that garage door. Put braces on it when the storm goes. That's your biggest opening. That wind comes crashing through your garage you know, get if you don't know your home, know your home, make it stronger, whatever that means. Get a free inspection from the My Safe Florida Home Program that'll tell you that recipe or talk to a contractor. What can I do with this house so that I have a prayer that'll withstand the wind? Take responsibility and do it. Yeah, another example that I always see, and I watched a video just to confirm it because I had never put sandbags down for anything. I don't know anything from sandbags. And people just stack them in front of their door. And there's actually a pattern that you're supposed to use to put them down. So they're not even helping themselves by how they lay those things out. And I just, it's, it's just frightening. Well, you know, I got to tell you, whenever the sandbag filling stations are around, be nice if there was like a little video loop that's sitting on a, you know, a tripod, like we see from the Department of Transportation, you know, left lane changes, 
And it was just, and it just started showing people what to do as they pick up the sandbags. Oh, let me watch that. It just an idea, George, you'll make that happen. You've got a lot more influence than I do to see if you can't make that happen. Well, and the best thing, as you say, is to have a plan because as experienced as I am at, at doing what I do, when that storm is less than 24 hours away, your brain just doesn't work the same way. And that is not the time to make a plan. That's the time to implement a plan. My friends in Canada told me this morning they're going to wait until Friday to decide if they're going to evacuate. That's I crazy. Can't, I can't I can't change it. I just can pray for them. That's all I can do. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and, and joining me. And you're a wealth of information. I, I appreciate your time. And uh, let's hope Tallahassee doesn't see another hurricane for a long time. I hope not. And let's say a prayer for our friends in those smaller counties that got hit hard. And I'm always here for you. Make sure you go to my website, lisamillerassociates.com, lisamillerassociates.com. I have a library there. You can sign up for my newsletter. A lot of what I do is just a public service because I believe I'm a Floridian first and I want to do everything I can to, to help those that need it. So thank you for the time, George. I'll put those links in the show notes. And uh, again, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. So here's an action item everyone should take after listening today. Go and actually read your insurance policy. When you come across things you don't understand, ask your insurance agent to explain them. Make sure you know the type of coverages you have and what the exclusions are. I know most of us don't like writing that check every month, but when a disaster hits, that may be one of the most important things we have. If you have a homeowner story, good or bad, there's a contact form in the show notes. Fill it out. And maybe you will be a guest on an upcoming episode. And please become a subscriber so you don't miss an episode. A new one comes out every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. See you next time.